It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio Impeachment Edition. I'm David Leventhal. Thanks for joining us. For this show, the Democrats finally overcome their reluctance and decide to open up an impeachment inquiry. It's the start of the criminal President Trump. Inspired by that and by what is undoubtedly going to be the media narrative now in the wake of this, our show today will delve into one of my favorite topics, false equivalents, and how the two political parties are wrongly equated. So yesterday I'm at physical therapy and a couple of people there are, are getting up a conversation with each other. I'm not sure conversation isn't too much of an overstatement, but somehow politics came up a little bit and as will become clearly evident to the listeners in just a couple of moments. This is not something that the people who are having this conversation discuss very often. And so politics comes up and the first thing, they're all the same. They're all the same. They're all awful, referring to politicians in America. And I kind of chuckled to myself a little bit before weighing in. And think, who says that? Who says they're all the same? Well, we don't say that about most things in our lives. We don't say all football players are the same. We don't say all TV shows are the same. We don't say all teachers are the same. We don't say all policemen are the same. We don't say all firemen are the same. But it's okay to just say all politicians are the same. All government officials are the same. So who says that kind of thing? Something so obviously ridiculous. And let's start out with who says that is Republicans. Clearly Republicans are going to say that. Because, well, they look to their leaders. They can see who's leading their party right now. They look at Donald Trump. They look at Mitch McConnell. They look at that ilk. They look at Mike Pence. And there's really not much to be inspired by there. And so they're not going to generally voice vociferous defense and praise, lavish praise on their leaders. This is obviously leaving out the most hardcore and ridiculous Trump supporters. Well, I'm not even sure how many of them actually exist who actually think that Donald Trump is something to be admired at this point. Dems don't do this kind of thing. Republicans figure that if they can associate their leaders with the other side, then they're all in the same, they're all in the same bucket and they don't have to worry about how awful their leaders are. Democrats, however, don't want that association. We don't want our leaders to be associated with Republicans. We look at our leaders and we say, whatever their faults may be, thank God they're people that I can actually feel inspired by in many cases, or at least people I can feel confidence in, in other cases. If we supported Barack Obama, we don't need to make ourselves feel better by putting him in the same damn bucket as Donald Trump. Whereas if you support Mitch McConnell, you have to put him in the same damn bucket as everybody in order to feel that you're not insane for supporting someone like Mitch McConnell. So I hear this, they're all the same. Pretty much figure, okay, I'm sitting next to a couple of Republicans and I inch my way a little bit to the other side a little bit more. 
But the other thing, of course, that immediately jumps into my mind is I'm sitting next to people who know basically nothing about what's going on in the world around them, the country around them. Because saying they're all the same is something that the uninformed do to give an excuse to themselves for the other lack of, utter lack of responsibility living in a democratic society. People who have enough responsibility to be informed and understand what's going on in this country so they can make decent choices when they get into a voting booth don't just lump everybody into the same basket. But people who are completely uninformed, people who want to put in no effort whatsoever to be responsible voters, and people who want to learn what's going on in this country or the world can just dismiss everybody as all the same, and therefore they give themselves a pass for their complete lack of democratic accountability, for their complete lack of qualifications for living in a democratic society. So the guys go on, they only talk for a couple seconds, but obviously this is going on in my head pretty quickly. The next thing, of course, that they say is there's just extremists on both sides. They're all so extreme. Why is there nobody in the middle anymore? And I immediately thought before I opened my mouth, nobody in the middle anymore? You mean like Hillary Clinton, perhaps? You mean like Joe Biden, the guy who's currently leading the the pack for the Democratic nomination for president of the United States? So the, the, the guy who's currently leading, the person who was our nominee last time, and let's be honest, Barack Obama, who spent a political career trying to reach out to the other side, who spent eight years as president trying to reach out to the other side, to be conciliatory, to try to do things that Republicans would support, who after seven years of having the rug pulled out from under him and being shown that the other side will not play fair, will not work with him on anything, the guy still picks a Supreme Court justice nominee who is someone designed to appeal to Republicans, Merrick Garland. So this is what the Democratic Party is but they don't see any kind of middle. Compare that, of course, to the only thing they're actually seeing and the thing that's giving themselves a pass, which is Donald Trump and the Republican Party. It is the Republican Party that for years has not understood the concept of something in the middle. It's the Republican Party that hasn't understood the concept of compromise, agreement, working with people you may not always agree with, respect for the institutions themselves. It's not both sides. It's another way to get a pass. It's only one side. And here's the news. It's your side that's gone insane. And that's why you guys are lumping everybody in the same basket. So I want to look at the news from this past week or so to talk about how this false equivalence between the political parties just completely glosses over the stark and glaring differences between the two parties, the Grand Canyon that exists between the current Republican Party, Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell Party, and the Democratic Party. And let's start with the concept of telling the truth. Yes, I understand that politicians lie. I certainly understand that they shade the truth. I'm not sure that they all lie. In fact, I think many of them do not lie. I understand that Bill Clinton lied about his sex life. And I understand that Elizabeth Warren won't use the word taxes in a debate because of how that will come across to their potential constituents or constituents. 
But fundamentally, these are politicians who told the truth, who told the truth about things that mattered. Elizabeth Warren doesn't go through her political life lying about everything. Bill Clinton may have had plenty to lie about in his own sex life. And he certainly may have obfuscated plenty of things while he was president of the United States. But the concept of outright lying to the American people about things that mattered simply did not exist and does not exist in the Democratic Party like it is absolutely fundamental to the Republican Party. There is, in fact, in the Democratic Party, the whole concept of fundamental truths, of facts, of things that you cannot just make up as you go along in order to look better by lying to your constituents. And maybe that, in fact, is the difference between the two parties. Maybe it's not something that Democrats should feel morally superior about. I think, frankly, there is a moral superiority in the Democratic Party, but I don't even have to go there. Maybe the difference is just their audiences. Republicans are speaking, generally, to the world's biggest fucking morons. And therefore, lying to them all the time is a great plan for success. They've got their own media outlets like Fox News and everything else owned by Rupert Murdoch, and for that matter, most of the so-called mainstream media, doing their business for them. So they can afford to lie and get away with it. In fact, their best business model is to lie. So maybe the Democrats aren't morally superior. Maybe it's just a question of the Democratic constituents, while many of them are also uninformed and just happen to be on the right side, many of them, in fact, are more informed, more educated, more thoughtful, more knowledgeable about what's going on in this country, and are not so willing to buy into the lies so quickly. Maybe Bernie Sanders doesn't lie like Donald Trump or anybody in the Republican Party simply because it won't work for him. Whatever. The fact is, say what you want about people like Bernie Sanders, the so-called ridiculous leftist wing of the Democratic Party. But you sure feel when you listen to Bernie Sanders that you're getting the truth. And fundamentally, you are getting the truth. What I found interesting, sort of a challenge, The idea that I've had all these Republican friends who've made this, oh, they all lie. They're all such liars. Politicians are so phony. Well, they're finally being called on their their bluff on that one. Because now you've got a politician who is what you've been asking for all along. Someone who's, whatever you say about him, is not phony. And for the vast majority of these people were we're finding out that that was just bullshit all along. They were perfectly happy with phony. It was a question of what the phony was in service of. Fundamentally, Republicans don't seem capable of telling the truth. In many cases, even when it helps them, they don't seem capable of telling the truth. In the case of Donald Trump, and I think others in Republican leadership, they are, I think, pathological liars. And one of the things about pathological liars is they don't just lie about things that are important to them in order to get their way. That pathological liars lie for the very purpose of lying. That that is the thrill, the whole concept of lying to everybody and getting away with it. I remember years ago having a good friend who would talk about the fact that her husband, from whom she was divorced, So I guess her ex-husband, while I knew her, she was married and then estranged and then divorced. She referred to the fact that he was a pathological liar. And she would say he would you'd see him in the morning or you'd see him at the end of work and you'd say, what'd you have for breakfast? And he'd say, I had a roll. 
And you'd see the cereal bowl in the sink. Like you knew he didn't have a role. Like why couldn't he just say he had cereal? And it was sort of remarkable to have these conversations with her. And then subsequently I've read up on the issue some more. The idea that these people just lie for the sake of lying. And this is the Republican Party. This is much of the Republican leadership. It's not just lying to get their way about everything. Certainly with Donald Trump, he just doesn't seem capable of telling the truth. Now, this has some meaning, and we're seeing it with respect to current events. Let's start with this, the bombing of the Saudi Arabian oil facilities. The administration has come out and blamed it on Iran. The rest of the world has responded to that and our calls for action against Iran by basically laughing in our faces. Because the rest of the world has enough sense to understand that the President of the United States says something is true, that doesn't make it any more likely than it was before to be true. It may, in fact, make it more likely to be false, if anything. When the United States, in those rare instances where the United States wants to lead, at least wants to get the world joining us on some mission that we're on, or in the case of the Trump administration, calling it a crusade would probably be more appropriate. We can't even get that, because when you abdicate leadership in the world and you abdicate trustworthiness in the world, this is the kind of thing that may boomerang back at you. And when you need to rally the world for such things as Iran sanctions, you're not generally going to get them, or you're going to find it a lot harder to get them. Even in cases where Trump might do something right, and he has at least announced a desire to do something right in the past week, announcing that the administration would be developing a ban for flavored e-cigarettes because of their health impact on young people, including several deaths. But even then, he can't just leave well enough alone and say we're going to ban e-cigarettes. Trump, to quote his own words, we can't allow people to get sick and we can't have our kids be so affected. Close quote. Those would be inspiring words and basically words that you could just assume that the president of the United States believes in, except that this is Donald Trump. And he has spent the last two and a half years rolling back environmental rules, rolling back clean water, clean air rules, product safety rules, specifically so that people will be getting sick and children will be getting sick and children will be dying. So even if he comes out and says that we need to do this because we need to protect our children, you're insane if you believe that. It would be far more compelling and persuasive if Trump had just come out and said, I mean, after poisoning their water and fouling their air, you got to draw a line somewhere. There's only so quickly we could kill our children. That at least would have made more sense. Now, of course, I also want to add a couple of things on this. One, I've said all along in the rare case where Donald Trump will do something right, it will be my pleasure to actually give him credit for it. And so kudos for Donald Trump for announcing that they will be doing a ban on flavored e-cigarettes. On the other hand, if you trust anything that Donald Trump says, you're insane. So I will report again when the ban is actually in place and give Trump credit again for actually enacting the policy he said he was going to enact. So when we're talking about false equivalencies and making sure to draw the obvious distinctions between our two political parties, let's move next to respect 
for the basic governing institutions of the United States of America. Our institutions that form the backbone of this country. And that, of course, brings us to Brett Kavanaugh. The Brett Kavanaugh saga, which continues, gets to represent both the administration's lack of respect for the rule of law, for judges, as well as U.S. investigative agencies, such as the FBI. In case you've missed the latest news on this story, it turns out, do you remember when, when Jeff Flake famously deserted the Republican Party and said, I will not vote to confirm, to confirm Kavanaugh until these allegations, very credible allegations of sexual assault and other misconduct have been investigated? The administration tasked the FBI to investigate. We reported at the time that the investigation was bullshit. It was whitewash. It was clearly cleansing something, basically laundering the reputation of Brett Kavanaugh to get him onto the United States Supreme Court. Well, more evidence have come, has come to light in the past week about just how complicit the FBI was in covering up all of these allegations of our new Supreme Court justices man with lifetime appointment, with his sexual misconduct over the years. The FBI, it turns out, declined to interview at least 25 people who could have corroborated one of his accusers, Deborah Ramirez's claim that while at Yale, a drunken Brett Kavanaugh thrust his penis at her face. It also declined to interview and follow up on another witness who could have corroborated a separate incident involving a different female classmate according to Harper's Magazine and other sources. So, it turns out, the FBI was compromised. Its legitimacy completely called into question and undermined by a Trump administration that manages to destroy everything it touches. The antithesis of King Midas, who turns everything gold into dog shit. Again, a surprise to nobody, and we had reported on it at the time, but even we hadn't understood the magnitude of the cover-up that the FBI had performed. Again, leading to the fact that Brett Kavanaugh is on the United States Supreme Court. Leading one to wonder, who should the Democrats impeach first? Boy, there's a tough question for our governing party in Congress. And this whole Brett Kavanaugh episode, points out the difference again, another difference between the two political parties and how they act when they are accused with respect to whether or not they respect the governing institutions in this country and whether or not they respect the people of this country. The Democrats face bullshit charges made up by Republicans. The whole Benghazi scenario with Hillary Clinton, she went and testified for hours and hours and hours in front of Congress without blowing her stack, Without calling it a witch hunt, Barack Obama faced down racist birther movement, claiming that he was not a credible president. One after another, they have to patiently respond to absolute bullshit from the other side. On the other hand, Republicans, when they face actual real accusations from people, facts, attacked the whole concept of the truth. We've got, in the case of Brett Kavanaugh, Vane Bretsky, who came out and talked about how it was all about him and it was his reputation that was being besmirched and he was the victim here and how awful this was when I think anyone who's paying attention to this thinks 
he's really the one who's not telling the truth here. Compare the two political parties when you look at Vane Bretsky here and the way that he has been treated and pushed through by the Republican Party and compare that to a Democrat like Al Franken, a Democratic senator who faced allegations that were minuscule compared to what Brett Kavanaugh faced. I'm not saying they were completely insignificant, but comparatively minor. And allegations that were coming in some cases from quarters we had reason not to trust, like a friend of Sean Hannity. And yet Democrats drummed him out of the party. The article from now a few weeks ago in the New Yorker magazine by Jane Mayer recounting the Franken episode is a scary statement of how when they are accused, Democrats run for the hills, get scared, relent, give in do everything they can to bend over backwards to show how open-minded and fair they are, whereas the Republicans circle the wagons and start firing. So let's talk about how the two parties differ when it comes to the Constitution and the whole concept of intellectual integrity. This week, Trump announced that he would be battling California's efforts to regulate automobile emissions within the state of California. Something that they have been doing for many years under a specific waiver granted to them um, relating to EPA mileage rules and emissions requirements. You know, I've talked about this a lot on our show. The irony here is the President of the United States, a Republican, representing the federal government, telling a state government to go shove itself, it can't enforce its own rules, it needs to follow the federal government. Now, this is ironic, as our regular listeners will remember, because I have discussed this many times in the past. This is the antithesis of what Republicans claim they're in favor of. Republicans always argue that they are in favor of states' rights. They believe that states should be able to govern themselves, that the big, bad federal government should not be telling states what to do. Well, here's another indication of what states' rights really means to Republicans. This isn't a principled theory of constitutional governance. This is bullshit in service of their agenda. And what is their agenda? Two things. One, bigotry. Republicans believe in states' rights when it says, keep your hands off my Negroes. Don't tell me how to treat my property. Since before the Civil War, This is what states' rights has meant to Republicans. It's meant it again throughout the civil rights movement, and it means it the same, means the same today. Don't tell me how to treat blacks. Don't tell me how to treat gays. Don't tell me how to treat anybody I want to be a bigot against. And secondly, what states' rights really means to Republicans is corporate rights. States' rights always tends to come down on the side of what most favors the biggest and worst corporations in the world. In other words, the Republicans' main constituencies. When it benefits big corporations to leave rulemaking to the states, which is generally the case because big corporations can play state against state, municipality against municipality, and intergovernmental bidding wars like we see with Amazon and taxes and millions of other places around this country, the only way to stop that is for federal government action. 
In those cases, Republicans are strongly in favor of states' rights and against federal government action. But in those few cases where the states are actually in a better position to regulate than the federal government, like when the Republicans run the federal government to decide not to regulate anything, and states decide to regulate, then all of a sudden the Republicans don't believe in states' rights anymore. Their real interest in corporate rights and their real interest in promoting the rights of bigots really comes to the fore. Another way that the political parties are obviously very different is in this very concept of patriotism. Yes, patriotism. One political party is patriotic, believes in this country, and one political party is not. And I will give you a clue. The political party that believes in patriotism is not the one with all the American flags all over the place. Yes, Trump supporters, it doesn't matter how many American flags you put on your lawn. You are still supporting a political party that does not believe in the United States of America. Period. The end. Full stop. Paul Krugman has an interesting column in today's New York Times on that very subject. When do the Republicans get to stop calling themselves patriots when it is clear that they have absolutely no interest in the well-being of this country? When, in fact, we put a spy, a person engaging in espionage and treason against the United States into leadership. When we are a political party that does not believe in the very basic idea of democracy, a Republican party that I, as I have spoken about ad nauseum on this show and will not spend time detailing here, but a political party that does not believe in voting rights, a political party that in fact requires for its own existence, its own success, voter suppression, a political party that gerrymanders beyond any reasonable bounds of arguable respect for democracy. It takes gerrymandering to heights that even Democrats would never deign to reach. A political party that supports the Electoral College now wholeheartedly because it supports them, whereas they were willing to torpedo it a couple of decades ago when they thought it was going to benefit the Democratic Party. It is Elizabeth Warren and others in the Democratic Party who have called for abolishing the Electoral College and actually promoting democracy in this country. You know, the people you're going to call socialists to win an election, implying that they don't believe in voting rights, they're the ones who believe in voting rights, not you. But of course, the big idea with patriotism now in the news, the big issue that we need to discuss is the idea of U.S. election integrity. And that is this whistleblower complaint that the President of the United States tried to enlist foreign, a foreign government to interfere in a U.S. election. Again, of course. Shocking. Yeah, this sounds like a replay to you. It better sound like a replay to you because this was the Mueller investigation. This is what Donald Trump has ridiculed. No collusion, no collusion. This is what Don, Donald Trump has ridiculed for years. The idea that I could have reached out to Russia, that I would ask for foreign interference, that I would sell out this country for political and personal gain. While Mueller was testifying to Congress about the Mueller report and saying, please impeach this son of a bitch in not so many words, Donald Trump was preparing and in the midst of enlisting foreign interference in the next election. He was busy doing again 
what he has denied for years doing the first time, but which we know he did the first time and which we now know he has done the second time. Donald Trump pressuring Ukraine to take steps to damage one of his political rivals and try to get him elected in 2020. Donald Trump responded to these accusations first by asking if anyone thinks that he would do such a thing. Of course, the relevant question, once we stop laughing, the relevant question is, is there anyone out there at this point who thinks you wouldn't? And is it too late to get that person an intervention? So, of course, since that initial evasion, Donald Trump has admitted to the fact, basically, that he has done that. Doesn't admit it to all of it yet, and we don't even know what all of it is, of course, since they illegally will not turn over the relevant information. But the evidence has been overwhelming, leading Donald Trump to admit to much of it. So in case you somehow missed this, the President of the United States, it is strongly alleged, and again, much of this he has already uh, copped to, the President of the United States suspended important military aid to our ally Ukraine, a country, by the way, at odds with Russia. Donald Trump suspended military aid to Ukraine and then called them up and said, I want you to publicly do an investigation of Joe Biden and his family to help my reelection bid in case Joe Biden's going to get the nomination. Even if he doesn't, it will besmirch the Democratic Party and it will give me insulation for the fact that I am an absolute crook. So Donald Trump was trying to enlist the leader of Ukraine to help him win an election by withholding U.S. military aid. That's right, the President of the United States. So the book How Democracies Die and the two Harvard professors who wrote it are now newly relevant because this could be how American democracy dies. We may not be able to survive Donald Trump. So now, finally, the big news. As I am about to send button on my podcast, the Democrats in the House of Representatives have finally, finally, after all this time, announced that they will begin impeachment inquiry okay, it's a start, of the blatantly criminal president of the United States. So now the discussion presumably will all be how, oh, everybody's so extreme. The Democrats are now responding and being extreme. But of course, the real story is how hard the Democrats fought to avoid this moment of impeaching a president who so obviously needed to be impeached. Democrats, again, I don't know that they're morally superior Maybe it's just their voters who are morally superior. But Democrats sure seem overly devoted to fair play, unlike Republicans who are overly devoted to the exact opposite. The pressure on the two parties is different. The Democrats also are concerned about the long-term impact to this country, and Republicans just couldn't give a shit about anything except how to preserve their own power today. Probably not seeing much of a long-term for themselves. So... A Republican Party that manages to talk about impeachment of Democrats who have done nothing wrong is now going to be equated with a Democratic Party that can't impeach until it pretty much has a gun against its head. The most blatant criminal running this country that we've ever had. And I understand we had Richard Nixon. Despite all the president's criminal activity and despite the recent decision to begin 
an investigation that they will call an impeachment investigation, many Democrats are still not on board because they're worried about what the Republican Senate might do. Because for Democrats, they can't seem to do anything unless they get some sort of Republican bipartisan approval. Whereas Republicans only act if they get to say fuck you to all the Democrats. And again, let's be clear on that distinction. Republicans will impeach when they have no grounds to do it. The Democrats refuse to impeach when the grounds to do it are overwhelming. So hooray for the impeachment inquiry. It is at least a start. And it is also the last best hope we have that whatever passes for democracy in this country can be preserved past the Trump era. If a president who's this blatantly criminal can get a pass, we don't have a president. We have a king. And of course, that leads us to the presidential race that's already started. Democratic debates, overwhelmingly, the candidates speak about appealing to everybody, appealing to even Republican voters, reaching out to all sides. Donald Trump doesn't say that. He makes it perfectly clear, as does the rest of his political party right now, that they couldn't give a shit about the... Anybody except for the 40% minority that's stupid enough to vote for those assholes. And finally, as long as we're pointing out false equivalencies between two political parties that cannot be put into the same basket, how about the way the parties differ with respect to preserving the planet? How about the way the parties differ with respect to responsibilities to our children and to future generations? How about the difference between the way the two parties react to being able to look our children in the eye without feeling shame? Let's start on the minor front, in case you missed the news. Recent study shows that the number of birds in North America has declined by 29% since 1970. One political party will think that we need to try to do something about that. One political party will think... Who gives a shit? It's just a bunch of birds. But of course, the big issue of the week when it comes to preserving the planet, the big issue of the decade and century when it comes to preserving the planet, is climate change. And if you somehow slept through the week, this week was the climate summit at the United Nations. It was also, because of the climate summit at the United Nations, the occasion for the worldwide youth climate rally. Well, let's start with the climate summit. Where at the UN in New York, the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, facing an existential crisis, a threat to humanity, did a surprise drop by at the climate summit. That's right. Donald Trump, the leader of the free world, quote unquote, wasn't supposed to attend at all. And why would he attend? Because whatever solution we might eventually have to hammer out regarding climate change, Donald Trump and his party will absolutely not be a party to that. Donald Trump was a surprise drop by at the summit, probably so that people could applaud him and say, oh my God, it's Donald Trump. When I'm guessing that didn't happen to his satisfaction, he stayed for only 14 minutes, thus taxing his attention span, okay, but not taxing it overly, 14 minutes. And, of course, he, when he dropped by, he brought his dog, Mike Pence. He was there just long enough for former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg to reach out to him and say, oh, well, maybe the fact that you're here is a good sign about you're actually being willing to do something about climate change, leading to actual laughter. 
apparently, among the people who were there and who heard the line. That's right, the President of the United States is being laughed at by the rest of the world for his utter disregard of the existential threat posed by climate change. Say what you want about Barack Obama, he didn't elicit howls of laughter among other world leaders. While he didn't have time to join the climate summit, he did have time to pick a fight with a 16-year-old climate activist. Yes, that is the President of the United States. That is the leader of the Republican Party. A man who isn't responding to perhaps the single greatest threat this planet has known, but is picking a fight with a 16-year-old activist, which frankly is handing him, who frankly is handing him his lunch, who is embarrassing him, who is so much better than him. Okay, Thunberg, 2020, because she sure as hell would make a better president than the son of a bitch we have. He has met his match in a 16-year-old Swedish girl who manages to rivet the world's attention to this and point out what the rest of us have been trying to point out for a long time, which is we should be ashamed of ourselves and what we are doing to our children. But to be fair to Donald Trump when it comes to losing his battle with a 16-year-old girl, Donald Trump is out of his element here. When it comes to 16-year-old girls, I assume all he really knows is walking into beauty pageant dressing rooms or leaving money on the dresser. Yes, that's the leader of the United States. And that is why making an equivalent between him and anybody on the other side is an embarrassment at this point. Equate the two parties. We've got one political party denying the very nature and existence of climate change and one political party promoting the Green New Deal. How's that for a difference for you? While millions of youth were rallying around this world in the Worldwide Youth Climate Rally, to preserve the planet for their future, the President of the United States and leader of the free world was probably at home thinking about how he could make them all stay at a Trump hotel. So when somebody starts talking to you about them all being the same, well, you send them to me. Well, that's it for us for the week. Hooray for impeachment, and we'll see you soon. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 